It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay, welcome into another edition of the Penn State Blitz and the Penn State Blitz podcast. I am Bob Flounders, joined by Greg Pickle. We are approaching mid-July, Gregory. We've got quite a few things to get to, as always, here on the Blitz. We're going to talk about Penn State's very close to beginning some organized team workouts, I think. And also, they're going to be interacting, I believe, with the coaching staff soon. We're going to get to that. Penn State fans are always curious about preseason polls. I believe there is a 247 Sports Big Ten poll out right now. We'll talk about where they rank Penn State in the Big Ten East and overall in the Big Ten. There's some recruiting news, which is always key for Penn State fans. We're not we're not necessarily going to talk about Nolan Rucci, but maybe we will. I don't know, Greg, but I know there's news involving someone else. And then we're going to close with the Penn State mailbag. So get ready. All right, Gregory, I hope you're minding this heat or not minding this heat. Are you minding the heat or not minding the heat? I can't remember. Anyway, I hope you're not too hot. Let's just talk about now that we're in July. It's been a while since uh, this offseason began because it never really ended, Greg. Technically, I think if all goes according to plan, and it rarely does during a pandemic, Penn State's players, coaches are scheduled to kind of get together start to begin another phase of maybe getting ready for the 2020 season, however it may exist. Is that correct? Yeah, Bob. So we're getting ever closer to the point where the workouts, which are currently voluntary, become mandatory workouts, and that will give the players and coaches their first chance to reunite since they all left campus uh, for spring break back in March. And, you know, we're getting ready for spring practice, which of course never happened. So Some exciting times ahead. Keep in mind, next Wednesday, we will get Penn State's second round of coronavirus testing results. We're not getting those by team, as far as I know. It's just all athletes on campus. But still, we can learn a little bit about where things stand at that point in time. And then, yeah, by July 13, 14, in that window, the voluntary workouts can start. Some of that can be film study. Some of that will be conditioning. Some of that will be, uh, obviously, the players organizing themselves, if that's allowed. So, we're getting close to a point where, um, before we know it, it's going to be time for the first walkthroughs that I've ever heard of uh, in NCAA football to try and replicate some of that lost spring practice time. It won't do so completely. But, you know, we've seen some places shut down for a couple of weeks. Penn State, obviously, not in that boat. Uh, some other of its peers are also not in that boat. So, Bob, I'm starting to get the sense that we could have a conference-by-conference conference decision on all this stuff and maybe just a Big Ten season, maybe just an SEC season. But it feels like it changes daily. You go from optimistic to pessimistic almost weekly, uh, if not daily. So, yeah, we're getting closer to some key dates here. And uh, I guess there's a little bit of optimism and hope still surrounding those. Yeah. And before we get to Penn State and the preseason polls, just to talk a little bit about, but just so the fans know, I kind of feel like, Greg, by the end of this month, end of July, maybe, you know, last couple of days of July, I think the conferences and the, and the schools are going to have to make decisions. They can't wait as far as what the season's going to look like, if it's going to start on time. Will it be pushed back? Will it be shorter? Will it, will it be pushed into spring? I think they're waiting as long as they can. 
But the news hasn't been great of late in terms of the pandemic and testing and all of that. Uh, I know Penn State didn't have any kids test positive in their initial test, but that's just one program. They're playing schools. Don't you feel like, Greg, real quick, that by, by the end of this month, we're going to have a, we're going to have to have some clarity, both by Penn State and, and the Big Ten Conference as to what this season potentially might look like in terms of starting on time or possibly getting pushback? Yeah, there's no question about it. And I mean, this is the, the problem with all of this is Penn State's going to have to work with Governor Tom Wolf's office to figure out things like capacity and all of that. And obviously, uh, can there be fans, not be fans if there is a season and how all that works. And all the other Big Ten schools are going to have to work with their politicians and governors and whatnot to figure that stuff out. There's so many decisions that need to be made at so many different levels. And I don't think anyone's on the same timeline, but I agree with you 100%. To me, August 7th is the date camp is supposed to start. And you can say that, well, we're going to start and see where things go from there. But at some point, the TV partners, all of the other logistics that have to go on, you're going to have to make a call one way or the other. Either we're going forward and we're going to play an on-time season and see what happens, or we're not. Or we're going to shift the season and get rid of non-conference play yeah. and just play Big Ten games, or we're not. But yeah, at some point, they're going to have to make a decision. In the uh, quote of the day so far, uh, Jim Harbaugh speaking to somebody, uh, or maybe many somebodies, uh, during a news conference or some kind of availability today, said COVID is part of our society. Wasn't caused by football or caused by sports. There's no expert view right now that I'm aware of that sports is going to make that worse. So that's where his take on it is. And we've heard Sandy Barber and James Franklin say endlessly, they don't want to do anything to put student athletes at, in danger. However, there's a major financial component to all of this for almost everyone involved. Of course, the student athletes should probably be more a part of that equation, but they also have future earning potential to consider. Yeah, it's a bit messy. There's no doubt about it, but I agree with you 100%. We have to hear some answers at some point. I know we say that every week. Nobody seems willing or able to set a decision date or a timeline for when they are going to make these calls. So it could happen at the drop of a hat or it could wait into August. I really can't see how it goes beyond the start of summer camp, Bob, but as we've come to expect, just about anything is possible or not possible during the uh, last three to four months. And waiting and waiting and waiting to make a decision seems to be the way this is going to go because no one seems to want to make the decision and there's nobody to make it for the Power Five conferences and Group of Five conferences unilaterally. So it's a bit of a mess. New Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren certainly enters things at an interesting time, to say the least, and he's been quiet. I just wonder if the Big Ten's going to wait and see what everybody else does and then fall in line from there. The difference now is they're out of time or they're close to being out of time, whereas they weren't out of time in May or June. So I, I would be stunned if by the end of this month, there isn't some real clarity about what, what Penn State season might look like. They just can't afford to wait, like you said, any longer. There's too many factors to consider. So we'll just wait and see what happens. But I would say by the end of this month, we're going to know something We'll have a, pr a pretty good idea what maybe the start of the season, whenever that is. Let's move along, Greg, to the Lions 247 preseason poll. I don't know that there was a lot of big news that came out of this. Penn State is behind Ohio State in the voting in the Big Ten East. And I believe there are three, number three overall behind Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin's second. Wisconsin and Ohio State have met a couple times, I think, recently in the Big Ten championship game. So that's no surprise. I just wonder what the thought is on maybe how close people believe Penn State is to Ohio State, given the offseason that Ohio State's had with the addition of Trey Sermon, 
they've obviously killing it on the recruiting trail. Your thoughts on the poll and where where do you really think Penn State is in terms of playing Ohio State? And, you know, if they play 10 times, how many times do you think Penn State could beat them? Yeah, frankly, Bob, there was no shock to this (laughs) poll whatsoever. I really only put it in the topic rundown here because I felt like we could all benefit from talking a little bit of football and not just coronavirus and pandemic and everything else. So the gap between Penn State and Ohio State without a spring practice can be a little bit tough to gauge. But I guess my one thought is this. We've seen Penn State play Ohio State tough the last few years, especially at Beaver Stadium. Obviously, everyone remembers 2016. We don't know what kind of home field advantage Penn State could have this fall, but they do get the Buckeyes at home. And I think that's a obviously a big deal. It's been a big deal for quite some time now in this series. And, you know, Ohio State's had better success at, at Beaver Stadium than, say, Michigan has. But to me, Penn State's best chance to knock them off is always when they come to town. So the gap, I think it really comes down to the progress that Sean Clifford made, because we know that Justin Fields is obviously an extremely talented quarterback, and that Ohio State offense can put points up at will. If Sean Clifford and Kirk Sharakabob can make improvements, I think that closes the gap significantly. Because we know Penn State's defense, if its secondary is shorn up a bit, can stop Ohio State. We saw that at times out in Columbus last year. We know that Special teams are probably about even with the guys that Penn State has in Joe Loring's room. So to me, it comes down to if you're going to close the gap, I think almost all of it's going to happen on offense with a little bit of a lean to the pass defense. So we'll see. I I think Penn State fans should have reason to be optimistic, but it's also fair to say that Ohio State train has not slowed down at all, no matter what's been going on in the world otherwise. Yeah, I think Ohio State's got more talent top to bottom. Penn State's got some real elite talent at certain positions that could give Ohio State problems. But I think what, you know, when you, when you really look at these two programs and the game that's scheduled, I think is, is scheduled in October at Beaver Stadium. I mean, it's not going to be a typical whiteout. You're almost asking like who would win on a neutral field because if there's not a lot of fans there, that's basically maybe what the atm- atmosphere is going to feel like. And if, if these two teams play on a neutral field, I know Penn State has closed the gap recently over Ohio State. It, it's hard if both teams are healthy to pick against Ohio State. So we'll see what if they do play this year in October and if there are fans in the stadium, what that experience might feel like. But I think the preseason poll is what it is. The bigger issue is, is, is can anyone even challenge Wisconsin in the West as far as the Big Ten East? Penn State's got to go to Michigan this year. Uh, Franklin has not beaten Michigan in Michigan. And that's that's another bridge that James has to cross during his time at Penn State. I don't necessarily think that you can presume that Penn State is the second best team in the big in the Big Ten on paper, just because of that fact. Michigan State slipped, obviously. Penn State's got to go to Ann Arbor. If they're second in the Big Ten in the preseason, Michigan can't be far behind only because of where that game, even though even though there won't be many fans at that game either, Greg, just because Ann Arbor has proven to be tough for Penn State, I would I would say that it's you can make a case for Michigan as number two as well. Before we continue with the Penn State Blitz and the Penn State Blitz podcast. Greg, let's get to some housekeeping about what the uh, viewers and listeners can do to evaluate, criticize, and praise our work. Go ahead. Yeah, let me just note I'm not going to slander Minnesota this year when you talk about the Big Ten West. So I just wanted to get that on record now for future podcasts. Yeah, you're listening to the Penn State Blitz podcast. You can find the audio wherever you find your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google. And what have you, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Leave some feedback. Give Bob and I some new topics to talk about as July rolls on. If you're watching the video version of the Penn State Blitz, you can find that at youtube.com slash all Penn State. We'll be right back after this. 
Okay, the Penn State Blitz podcast is moving forward. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Greg Pickle. We cover Penn State, obviously, for Penn Live. If you didn't know that, I don't know where you've been. But yes, we are talking about Penn State football in mid-July with not a real great feel for whether the season's still going to start on time. But you know what, Greg? One thing that never really stops is recruiting. Penn State continues to recruit, continue to recruit at a pretty uh, impressive level, as does Ohio State. We have some news, or you have some news about Penn State and a potential Nittany Lion. What can you share with us? Penn State's recruited Michigan so well um, in this yeah. cycle, of course, and Jamari Budin's the latest one to kind of put on fans' radar. He's going to make his announcement here in a couple of weeks. Penn State in the driver's seat, according to the Rivals cast and the 247 Sports Crystal Ball. And Looks like Brent Pry is in position to land another very good linebacker, Kobe King, and other Michigan players already in this class at that position, of course. And Budin's a guy who's an outside linebacker all the way. So it'd be a really good get for Penn State at a time when they're obviously a little tight on scholarship space at this point. And, you know, they kind of got to pick and choose who they want at positions of need and what, you know, the best they can do. So uh, I find it interesting that he's ready to decide, even though he can't could not and cannot take visits since March and uh, since February, really, at least not until September. So uh, he feels comfortable enough to make a call, and, and Penn State fans should be confident about where the Lions stand and entering that decision. All right, and I, I'm going. Even though I said I wasn't going to do it, since we have a little bit of time, any new updates involving Nolan Rucci? You, has anything changed in your mind? Is it still Wisconsin one and Penn State one A in the chase for one of the pr- premier? offensive lineman prospects in the country? Yeah, I guess you could say that, Bob. I mean, again, it seems like he's been so steadfast in the fact that he is going to take visits before making a decision. So could that change? Sure, it could. Could they come out and say, hey, no visits in the fall, even though we're going to play a season? Sure. And that will obviously shake things up tremendously. So you could, I guess you could say Wisconsin has a head in front, sure, if we're using horse racing terminology. But I think it's probably closer to closer to even and maybe a nose than, than some might expect. Um, but he's going to make his own choice and his family history, even with either with Wisconsin or Penn state will play a role perhaps, but I do get the sense he's going to make his own choice and that stuff may play a role, but maybe not as much of a role as some might think. Obviously a fascinating recruitment to continue to follow one of the nation's top players. And of course, the top player in Pennsylvania as well. Okay. Uh, this thing is just flying by Greg. It's time for the mailbag. We're about 15 minutes in, a little bit early, but hey, it's July, and there hasn't been a lot of stuff going on. I just cursed us. I guarantee you the minute we finish this up, there's going to be a ton of news, and we're going to have to re-record this, but that's my fault. Uh, What do you have for this edition, or this week's edition of the Penn State Blitz mailbag? What do you got? Yeah, let's dive into some scheduling topics, Bob. Give me a percentage chance you think the non-conference season is played and a percent. Well, I guess then otherwise it would just be a big 10 conference. What is your thought process on that right now? Uh, 50, 50, they play a non-conference schedule. I almost asked you earlier. I just kind of feel like the way things are going right now, I, I, it, it kind of feels like that they're, they're preparing to maybe, maybe think about pushing the start of the season back. Maybe maybe a couple of weeks. I know they don't want to push it back too far, but I, if they if they have to push it back, it's not going to be the full schedule. It can't be. It's going to be a shortened schedule. And I think Penn State plays nine conference games, so you know maybe it'll be ten games, maybe it'll be nine games. But it's it's hard for me as we sit here to imagine Penn State opening opening its season 
September 5th, which is less than two months away, or almost exactly two months away. Because um, it just feels like there's so many variables, Greg, and it's just going to take one to either go wrong or one to be a little bit off. And I, they're going to have to hit some sort of a reset button. I just think that, you know, the perfect case scenario for them to start on September 5th just has not played out nationally. And you're right. They're still going to have to work with Governor Wolf. And there's no guarantee that some of the teams that, they're, that are on the schedule for them to play are going to be ready to play. It, it feels to me like if, you're, if it's not 100%, I don't see how it can be. They, they have to push back the start of the season. Yeah. I guess the interesting fact about that is, is that so many places want to wrap up in-person learning by Thanksgiving, including Penn State. Um, so pushing it back would seem to indicate that less games would be played and expected. We'll have to see how it all plays out. It's so right. many, as you mentioned earlier, there's so many options on the table and and such little time now to to sort through all of them, pick one and steam, full steam ahead with it before camp starts. And eventually the uh, time rolls around for a season. So we'll see. Looking at the assistant coaches, Bob, who do you think will benefit most from getting that time back with their players starting uh, during the voluntary workouts? Taylor Stubblefield or Phil Troutwine? Mm. Benefit the most. I think uh, when I look at those two position groups, I think Phil Troutwine has it. I know he's trying to teach some new things, but he's, I think he's in a more enviable position just because of the returning talent, experienced talent that Penn State has on the offensive line. The projected starters, all five of them, uh, have either started for multiple years or they have at least some, they have started, I think, some games in the past. They're, they're really high on a couple of guys in reserve and Des Holmes, a swing tackle who could push Will Fries to start. Caden Wallace is a second-year player they like a lot. I just think he's got more known quantities to work with. I think the bigger challenge is going to be for Stubblefield just because it's one thing to be a talented wideout, but there's a lot of precision that goes into running Kirk Shiraka's RPO, and it's not enough to be able to run fast. It's not enough to be able to make plays and contested catches. It's about, it's about getting to the right depth, getting Sean Clifford's confidence. It's, it's a lot of things that go into that. I think it's going to be very challenging to kind of identify the wideouts other than Jahan Dotson because he has a good history with Sean. I just think it's going to be hard to kind of get a feel for who are the other three or four guys that are going to make plays in this passing offense, just because of there's a lot of structure and things that are, that are involved that Penn State did. They didn't have the benefit of that because uh, of no spring practice. I think it's a little bit, I'm going to say it's more challenging for Stubblefield. Maybe he can pull it off in a short amount of time. And maybe they'll just lean on the running game the first couple weeks of the season, because that's what they're going to be really good at. But I, th- I, just, I just think it's a pretty, it's a little bit of an unusual challenge for a first-year receivers coach. I'm, I'm with you 100%. Troutwine has more veteran guys who have seen more, done more, and should be more readily uh, able, I think, to pick up this new stuff, where Stubblefield has some uh, challenges to find guys first and then teach them what he wants them to do. Last one for you, quick. Talk to Camp Hill native. Camp Hill grad and uh, Penn State tight end Zach Koontz over under two and a half touchdown catches for him in 2020. Ooh, I like that. I think he said a good number. It's like he's gambled before. I think he only has uh, maybe what does he have a couple career catches, but things can change in a hurry. They want to play two tight ends. If it's not him, it's going to be Brenton Strange. 
I would say this between Penn State's the threat of a running quarterback, a running tailback like Journey Brown or uh, Noah Kane or Devin Ford. You got to worry about Jahan Dotson. You got to worry about Pat Fryermuth. The guy that probably is going to be wide open if he's on the field is Kuhn. So I'm going to go with Kuhn. Yeah, I like it. All right. See if we have any more info about the start of the college football season next week. 